0: But the problem with that is, is if you're always busy, you can wind up feeling like Job in Job 3.26. He says, I have no peace, I have no quiet, I have no rest, and trouble keeps coming. Anybody identify with that? I have no peace, I have no rest, I have no quiet, here comes trouble. Yeah, yeah. So what's the solution? What do we do if that's how we're living? Well, the solution is to build margin into your schedule. Uh, this week margin is defined as the space between my load and my limit it's the space between my load and my limit hopefully your load is not heavier than your limits but too many of us there is no margin there's no breathing space in your life so how do we build margin into our schedule let's look at ephesians 5 15 through 17 in fact let's read these verses out loud together "...be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is." Ephesians 5, 15-17, great passage. And it lays out for us the difference between a life with margin and a life with no margin. And it tells us that a life with margin is wise and a life with no margin is foolish. You know, when we're wise, we live carefully. We make the most of every opportunity. Now, when we hear that, we might think, that means I need to take every opportunity. I need to try and do every opportunity. I need to try and do everything so I won't miss out on anything. But really, this verse is saying that is not wise that's foolish you know when opportunities present themselves i need to live carefully i need to ask this question it's on your outline on the screen in light of and then there's a blank is it wise in light of our future hopes and dreams is adding this thing wise in light of our current family situation in light of the fact that our marriage may not be where god wants it to be is it wise for us to add this thing In light of the fact that we have two children in diapers right now, is it wise to do this? In light of the fact that we have a 17-year-old who will only be under the influence of our home for one more year, is it wise for us to add this thing to our schedule? In light of the fact that one day we will give an account to God for how we lived our life, is it wise to invest our life in doing this thing? Is it wise? Not, is it right? Is it wrong? Not, can we do it? Not, do we want to do it? Not, is everybody else doing it? Is it wise? We live life carefully and wisely. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Sometimes, the way you make the most of an opportunity is by not taking it Because if you take that opportunity, it will remove all the margin out of your life and you will be living foolishly. It's unwise. Now, if the result of no margin is that you're always busy, what what are the benefits? What's the result of building margin into your life? Real quickly, I want to give you four. With margin in my life, I've got more peace of mind. With margin, I'm not hurrying and worrying all the time. With margin, I have time to stop and think and enjoy, uh, relax. I've got time to sort things out. I've got time to make sense of life. I have peace of mind. Margin in my life builds better health. You know, unrelenting stress harms our bodies. We, We all know that, yet we continue to live with these stressful schedules day after day, month after month, year after year. But your body needs downtime. Your body needs time to rest and restore itself. Margin builds better health. Margin builds stronger relationships. American families in collapse because we don't have any margin. And even if you do value family relationships, you don't have time to make them work because relationships takes time and we don't have any. So margin builds stronger relationships. And then margin makes you available for God to use. And you know, when your schedule is full to the point where you're always focusing on yourself or what others want you to do, you go into survival mode when God taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, I'd like you to help this person, or I'd like you to do this in the church, or I'd like you to do this in the world. And rather than being excited and full of joy because God is calling us to serve, our response is, oh God, I'm too busy. And we don't have the time because there's no margin in our life. Margin makes us available for God to use. So what are the steps to begin to build margin into my life? Well, number one, I must accept my human limitations. Psalmist said, I have learned that everything has limits. And you must recognize that God is the author of your human limitations. God has limited you because God loves you. And rather than fighting our limits, we need to accept them. But we're not good at recognizing our limits. In fact, we constantly overestimate our abilities. We underestimate how long it will take to do stuff. We think, oh, I can do that in 30 minutes, and it takes us three hours. Oh, I can do that in the morning. takes us all day. What we think will take us a week takes us a month. I mean, everything we do takes longer than we think. And then we have limits. We have physical limits in our lives. Uh, my brother Gary uh, treads water every day at, his, uh, at the community center where they live. And he treads water uh, as his aerobic exercise. And uh, Gary says that rather than swimming laps, uh, he's a vertical swimmer rather than a horizontal swimmer. So he just swims in one place up and down. And then one of the guys at the pool said, Man, you do that for a long time. How long can you do that? And Gary said, I hope I never find out. Okay? But there are physical limits to your life. You also have emotional limits. Uh, emotional limits are harder to identify than physical limits. I and mean, we can recognize when we're being physically overextended. But uh, you also have to learn your emotional limits. You know, if I asked you to to, uh, pick up the person next to you and carry them out of here, uh, most of you would think, you know what, I I could carry a person out of here. But if I said to you, I want you to pick up ten people and carry them out of here, you wouldn't even try that. Because you know that's way beyond my physical limits. But how many people can you carry emotionally? How many people with problems can you handle? One? Five? Fifteen? Fifty? You know, when do you say, these are my emotional limits, these are my emotional boundaries, I can't handle anymore? You know, many of you have never drawn the line emotionally in your life. You just keep handling more and more stress, you keep taking on more and more people and more and more problems, and, but you have emotional limits. You have mental limits. Studies have shown you can only process so much information before your brain goes on tilt. And that's a problem in our day because our culture is constantly pumping new information into our brains. Google says that every day we create as much data as the world created from the beginning of time until 2003. That's how much data is being produced in this information age. Every day we produce as much data as the world had produced from the beginning till 2003. No wonder our minds are on overload. I mean, how many instruction manuals for gadgets in your home have you never read? You've never read the instruction manual because it's just too much information. You know, I've got a phone. My phone has 169 apps on it. I have never read the manual to figure out how to work them because it's too much information and the manual is in French. I have mental limits. Uh, You have time limits. Kings, presidents... Paupers and peasants all get 24 hours a day. Everybody has the same amount of time. Nobody has more time than anybody else. Our time is limited. You, God, have given us only so many months to live and have set limits we cannot go beyond. There are limits. Wouldn't it be nice if God would build into us some sort of a warning system when we approached our limit? If there was some sort of a red light that would flash on, or a beeper that would go off in our ears and we would know, you know, danger, danger, you're about to blow. Well, God has given us that kind of a warning system. It's called pain. It's called fatigue. It's called stress. It's called loss of joy. It's called irritability. When you're irritable, It means you have exceeded a limit, an emotional, physical, spiritual, or mental limit. Your life's on overload, and you've gotten irritable. You realize you have limits. Number two, you must expect to have problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say you could have trouble. He didn't say you might have trouble. He said you will have trouble. So why are we so surprised when we have trouble? It's always a surprise. Where did that come from? No. That's why you need margin in your life, in your schedule, because nothing goes as planned. Now, plans are good. The Bible encourages us to plan. Plans give you a direction. They are a roadmap for you to follow. But nothing ever goes perfectly as planned. It doesn't happen. You've got to expect trouble. If you think it's going to take me 15 minutes to run this errand, you need to build some margin into that. Because there's going to be flat tires and traffic problems and construction and, and phone calls and interruptions and, and uh, register computer problems, and you're going to forget something and have to do it twice. You've got to learn to expect problems. Some of you, everywhere you go, you're late. Because there's no margin in your life. There's no margin. We, we just assume everything is going to go great, and so one little hiccup throws us behind. Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent person foresees difficulties ahead and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Are you a prudent person or are you a simpleton? If I'm going to build margin into my life, then I must, number three, put space in my schedule. Circle the word put You must put space in your schedule. You have to decide to build buffer zones into your life. You have to put empty space into your calendar. Some of you need to just take your calendar and write down in some empty space margin in different places in the week. And then when somebody wants to do something, you say, I can't do something, then I'm busy. What are you doing? I'm putting margin into my schedule. I'm already tied up. You know, the Bible tells us very clearly that if I don't allow space in my schedule, if I just work all the time, look what it says. Ecclesiastes ten fifteen. Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. It's foolish to live life at that pace. Life, life is a journey, not a sprint. And I've got to pace myself for the journey. I must live wisely in order to live well. Now, over the years, I've used a variety of time management systems. Uh, This has been an area of struggle in my life. And one of the most helpful systems that I've come up with for time management is the little chart that's on your outline, and it's up here on the screen. And it works best for me because it's simple and because it deals with large blocks of time. For a while, I was trying to use a a time management system that that I tracked every 15 minutes what I did all day. drove me nuts. You know, uh, this one, I I like it. It it breaks every day of the week week into three sections. You've got morning, afternoon, and evening of every day. Every week, you get 21 blocks of time. Now, how do you fill in those 21 blocks of time? Well, the Bible gives us some guidance here on effective time management. Crucial verse, Exodus 29 through 10, says, Six days a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Matthew six thirty three. but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So here's the first thing I do every week is I dedicate three of these time blocks to God. You know, I dedicate a block for worship, a block for my small group, and a block for ministry. Even though I'm a pastor, I dedicate those blocks because then I've got other times when I work as a pastor. But as a believer, I dedicate the equivalent of one day a week unto the Lord. And it may vary from week to week or semester to semester or season to season with what's going on, but God gets the equivalent of one whole day of the week. and Then I dedicate 12 blocks to work and i just look at the week and it may be a morning and an afternoon it may be a morning and an evening or on a big day it may be morning afternoon and evening but i dedicate twelve blocks to work six days for my daily duties and regular work and once those twelve blocks are full then i start saying no to stuff you know you want me to do something it's gonna have to be next week i'll free up a block next week for you for me to do that but i schedule god first i That's non-negotiable. God gets three blocks because I want God's blessing on all the other blocks. So I seek God first. I schedule God first. You know, people say, oh, I don't have time to go to church. I'm too busy. I don't have time to be in a small group. I don't have time for a ministry. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because you schedule those first. You don't have time to do everything and you have to say yes and no to many things, but you don't say no to God. You schedule him first. I mean, you've got to decide, who's going to set the priorities in my life? Is God going to set the priorities in my life? Is my boss going to set the priorities in my life? Is my kid's soccer league going to set the priorities in my life? Who gets the priority? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all this other stuff will fall into line. problem is we live upside down. We get our priorities out of whack. So you schedule God first, and then, then you build everything else around him. So I, I, once I get God scheduled in, then I, I work through within the Bible limits. I work six days a week. And, and many of you, you, know, your major work schedule is going to be Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. That's great. That's scheduled for you. We block that out. But for a lot of us, it's not set. And when it's not set, we run the risk of either working too much or working too little that's the danger and some of you need to cut back on your work schedule I mean 12 blocks is enough I mean you just need to you know that's enough some of you you need to get a work schedule you need to fill in some blocks with work know, the Bible says that uh, the Bible tells us to work work is honorable work is good the Bible says you don't work you don't eat and so it's important You know, if you can't find a job, I know the economy's tight, find a part-time job. Get two part-time jobs. You can't find a part-time job, volunteer. Go to work. Work for a church or a ministry or community organization or work in the school. Volunteer. Be productive. Don't just consume, produce. And it's always fascinating to me whenever I talk about this because what happens is is I I talk about this kind of thing and and the guys who are working 60 hours a week think, you're right, pastor, man, I need to produce more. And they go out and get a part-time job. And then some guy will come up and say, you're right, pastor, man, this 15 hours a week is killing me. i got to slow down. <laughs> you know, it's got to be balance here. Some of us work too much, some of us work too little. And all of us need to put God first. And it's a real struggle. I mean, I get that. You know, I, I wasn't a pastor until I was 38. I spent from the time I was 18 till the time I was 38 working And I did everything from manage a a small business to work for corporations and and run departments with 30, 50 people in them. So I get this work thing. I get the tension of this struggle. In fact, the series we're going to do after margin, we're going to do a series called God and Your Job because the Bible has a lot to say about your work. Work is very, very important. So I get this. Next, if I want margin, I must prune my activities regularly. Why do gardeners prune and trim plants and trees? Because pruning makes them more productive. It gives them a healthier plant that bears more fruit. And every year our lives, we every our lives, we spend more every year of our lives we sprout new activities. And you know, you're doing stuff now that you weren't doing a year ago. Life has changed. There's more opportunities, and you've added them onto your life. What have you cut out? You know, what have you pruned back? You can't just keep adding and adding and adding to your schedule without pruning your activities. And the hard thing, the secret to pruning, is that when you prune, you don't just cut off dead wood. When you prune, you prune off good, living, fruit-bearing branches. In other words, in your schedule, you're going to have to cut off good activities that are bearing fruit in your life. And that's hard. I mean, tomorrow, you, when you've got 50 things, uh, 50 things to do, and you've only got time to do 20 of them, you're going to have to say no 30 times. And it's easy to say no to things that are unpleasant. I mean, I can say no to a root canal real easily. I can say no to an IRS audit only so long, but I can say no to that, Okay. But it's difficult to say no to things that you like to do, things you want to do, things that are good to do, things that are fun, things that are even bearing fruit. You know, you've got to figure out, you don't have time to do all the good things that are available for you to do. You can't do every good thing, so like Mary, you must choose to do the better and the best. You've got to make that choice. What does God want me to do with my time, energy, and money? If you want to be effective, you've got to be selective. You'll actually accomplish more in life by doing less. You'll accomplish more by being totally committed to the few things that God really wants you to do than by being half committed to a dozen good things. The more you focus, the more committed you become to the right priorities, the more effective your life will be. And so you've got to prune the activities in your life. Yeah, every season, you need to ask yourself, what am I doing that I need to stop? You know, you, you can't. You got all these summer activities coming in. You can't do all the summer activities and do everything you did all the way through the school year. There are some things you've got to stop doing. You've got to cut them out. And if you don't prune your activities, God will do the pruning for you. You can only be overloaded so long. And then an illness or a crisis or something breaks because you're overloaded. Because you can't live beyond your limits month after month after month. Proverbs twenty thirty. sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. So you've got to prune stuff out of your schedule. Fifth step, putting margin in your life, is do less and trust God more. I stop trying to do more and I start trusting God to do more. Why? Because God can do more in 20 minutes than you can do in 20 years. And some of you have been pursuing a dream or a goal. You've been struggling and working and hustling, trying to make it happen, trying, trying, trying. And God says, you just need to stop trying and start trusting. You've got to do less and trust God more. Because God can do it a whole lot faster and a whole lot better than you can do it. And actually, one of the benefits that comes from being stretched and overloaded is it forces you to trust God. It forces you, it brings you to your knees. You realize, I can't do this myself. Apostle Paul had that happen to him. Uh, You know, he was in Asia working, serving. He was on mission, and and he was trying to do too much and and encountered burnout. Paul said, we despaired of even life itself. I mean, he was so overloaded, he was ready to give up, kick the bucket. He just wanted to throw in the towel. 2 Corinthians 1, he says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Any of you feel like that? You're under great pressure, far beyond your ability to endure? to endure yeah as it turned out it was the best thing that could have happened instead of trusting our own strength or wits to get out of it we were forced to trust God totally not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead you know Paul says you know we finally came to our senses and we tried to do less and we trusted God more Now, turn back over to the first page of your outline there, and there's a list there of areas in your life where you may have no margin. And i like for you just to think through those areas and just circle the ones. where, Man, I'm overloaded in my activity. I'm overloaded with change, overloaded in choices. Just circle those areas where you're overloaded. And while you're doing that, I want to tell you why I decided to do this series. I ran into a guy who was obviously having a bad day. Uh, He was on his phone, and he was explaining to someone on the other end of the phone why he had missed an appointment the day before. Very apologetic, uh, just just really going on and on, trying to make the point. I mean, he was just overbooked to the point where he had been sick the day before, and people would not give him a break. And when he hung up, he, he just told me, he just started unloading about his schedule, and he says, I can't even be sick. That's where we've gotten ourselves. And as I listen to people in the church, as I listen to people in the neighborhood, as I watch you live your lives, just look out here at the people, the teens, the kids, the parents rushing up and down 58 to go do stuff. People are pouring out their frustration with a busy, hectic schedule. I can tell you how many mothers have come to me just weeping because they're just so overloaded with a hectic schedule. And I'm reminded of the passage where Christ looks out at the people and his heart is stirred with compassion for them. Matthew 9, 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, over that list there or next to it somewhere, I want you just to write down harassed and helpless. Is that the way you feel? As you live your life, do you feel harassed and helpless? What's the solution Well, there's a military strategy called the Fabian strategy. And some of you may remember Fabian. He was the teen singing sensation in the 50s. There's a picture of Fabian there. And this uh, Fabian military strategy has absolutely nothing to do with Fabian. Okay, I just put his picture up there just to get him off the table so you don't have to think about him. But the guy I want you to think about is known as Quintus Fabius Maximus, and he looks more like that. And he's the Roman general who developed the Fabian strategy in 217 BC. Listen to this. Fabian strategy is an approach to military operations where one side avoids large pitched battles in favor of smaller harassing actions in order to break the enemy's will to keep fighting and wear them down through attrition. Generally, this type of strategy is adopted by smaller, weaker powers when combating a larger foe. In order for it to be successful, time must be on the side of the user and they must be able to avoid large-scale actions. Also, Fabian's strategy requires a strong degree of will from both politicians and soldiers as frequent retreats and a lack of major victories can prove demoralizing. So Fabius developed this military strategy when he was fighting uh, the Carthaginian general Hannibal. Uh, Fabius knew that he could not win an outright battle against Hannibal, so Fabius took his troops and he used them to just harass this large army continually, and he wore them down. Same strategy George Washington used to defeat the British in the American Revolution. Washington knew that the American colonial soldiers could not win a major battle against the British troops, and so we never fought one. All we fought were these little skirmishes over time, and we didn't defeat the British militarily, we wore them out. It got to the point where it just, they just couldn't go on politically fighting this battle. So that's the, the Fabian strategy. Now what does that strategy have to do with you? Well, your life is an ongoing spiritual war. A, a spiritual war is being fought for your heart, soul, mind, your very life. And on one side is the God who made you and Jesus Christ, His Son, who died for you, and they are fighting for everything good in your life. They, they desire the best for you. And on the other side is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they are the threefold enemy that all of us struggle against. You know, back there in Ephesians 15 when it says the days are evil, that's what it means. We've got this evil opponent, the world, the flesh, and the devil, fighting for everything bad in your life. Their goal is to destroy you. Now, the battle is not an equal battle. God is far, far stronger than the world, the flesh, and the devil. In fact, we know the final outcome of this war. We know what it's going to be. God is going to defeat the devil and the forces of evil. We know the outcome of the war. But what is a question for you is the outcome of the daily battles. That's the question. Every day you face a spiritual battle that can go either way. Either you're going to yield your life to God and gain the victory, or you're going to yield your life to the world, the flesh, and the devil and suffer defeat. Every day, every battle is up for grabs. That's the tension that we live with. Now, evil is the weaker army in this war. The devil and his cohorts know they can't win a full-out war, a full-out frontal assault on you. So, like Fabius, they focus on harassment Every day you are harassed by evil. Usually it's not big battles in your life, it's just steady harassment. Jesus Christ leads his sheep beside still waters and in green meadows. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who will lay down his life for the sheep. Satan is a roaring lion who prowls around looking for whom he may devour. Satan harasses the sheep... He drives and scatters the sheep. Satan tempts you to fill up your schedule so you're always running tired and running late. You you never have any time for the things of God. You're too busy for a small group. You're too busy for a ministry. Satan harasses you about your time and robs you of your margin. Satan tempts you to spend every cent you make and then to go into debt. So you're always broke and you're always stressed about money. You you don't save, so every emergency throws you deeper in debt. You don't give, so God's blessing is removed from the rest of your finances. Every paycheck is stretched so tight that an increase in gas prices pushes you to bankruptcy. Satan harasses you about your finances and robs you of your financial margin. Satan harasses you and drives you with busyness that just wears you down emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. He drains the margin out of your life so you're short-tempered and irritable. You fight with your spouse, you yell at your kids. You live life harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. i got to tell you, as your pastor, I see it. I see it over and over and over in the lives of people, the lives of people in our community, in the lives of people. I am so grieved by this. I'm grieved by what it's doing to your marriages. I'm grieved by what it's doing to your families. I'm grieved by what it does to our church. This is not the life God intends for you to live. This is not the abundant life that Jesus Christ calls us to. Now, I'll tell you this. If you have never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you've never made the decision to follow Christ, if you've never yielded control of your life to Christ, then you are a sheep without a shepherd. You're a sheep without a shepherd. If you're not a believer in Christ, then you're not part of God's flocks. You have chosen to live your life outside of God's protection. You have no shepherd, you are fair game for Satan, and Satan will harass you to death and beyond. But you don't have to live that way. If you place your trust in Christ and invite him to be your shepherd, if you choose to live your life according to his plan, if you seek to bring your life in line with his will and with his word, then he promises that he will protect you from the evil one. He will lead you beside the cool waters. He'll lead you in the quiet meadows. He will provide you with rest for your soul. And you will live an abundant life. That's what Christ calls you to. But you must choose to follow Christ. Just because you're a believer doesn't automatically mean everything's going to go well and the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to leave you alone. No. You must choose to follow Christ and His Word. You must make the decision to put God first in your schedule. The the way you respond to the military strategy of harassment is to rise up and confront that enemy, to to seek them out and destroy their strongholds. It requires will and determination and strength. You're going to have to make the decision to live differently than the world around you. You need to establish your life on God's priorities. Because a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great Christian. Now, it's just as true that a weak commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a weak Christian. Notice that the commandment and the commission stay great because they're based on Jesus Christ. Nothing's going to diminish them. The question is, what is my level of commitment? That's what determines how great a life is. I live and folks it's your choice let's pray together if you're here today and you're living outside of God's protection if you're living life harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd I want to invite you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life and give you his peace ask him to forgive you of your sins even the sins of busyness the sin of a schedule with false priorities, the sin of a lack of faith to trust God to provide and to try and do it yourself. I invite you today in this moment to move out of the harassment of the devil and move into the care and protection of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. It's the invitation he gives to all of us that we must hear his voice and respond. God, I thank you for the hope and the promise that Christ offers us. In Jesus' name, amen.